So for this episode, we've got another AP tasting event. This time we're gonna talk about computer science A and computer science principles, which are both AP classes that are offered by the college. Welcome to AP computer science tasting. So for this session, we will be talking about two computer science related classes. We'll talk about AP CSP, AP computer science principles, and we will talk about AP CSA as well. So first we'll go over AP CSP, and then we'll go over AP CSA, and we'll also talk about our class experiences, the exam, and provide some helpful tips. So hopefully this will be a good overview for you guys, and you will walk away feeling more prepared. Okay, so we'll start with introductions. Yeah, I can go first. Uh, so my name is Samshrita Pochanapetti. Um, I'm a rising junior, so class of 2023. Um, on the AP, I'll be doing the APCSP today, and I got a five on the exam. Um, and I guess a fun fact about myself is that I really love to sing, and I've been singing since I was like almost three years old. Okay, I'll go next. So my name is Ada. I took ABCSA in the 2019 to 2020 year. So most of my classes in person, we got cut off like right second semester as we were finishing the course. And my exam was also online, so that's my experience. I got a five on the exam, but it's a short-term version. And then I got an A in the class, so I'll just share my experiences on that. And a fun fact about me, um, I used to be left-handed, but now I'm right-handed. Hey guys, I'm Rena. I'm gonna be presenting part of the CSA. I took the exam in the 2020 to 2021 school year and I did it on an online academy. So my class experience might be a little bit different from yours. Um, I ended up getting a A in the class and a five on the exam. And a fun fact about me is that I really love Pokemon. And also I'm a rising junior from Maryland. Okay, so we'll be starting out with APCSP, um, which stands for uh, Computer Science Principles. Uh, slide transition. Okay, so the course is structured on uh, certain skills that is supposed to help, like, you uh, think logically and analytically, especially like a computer scientist. And so basically, the skills are computational solution design, which really means you design and evaluate computational solutions for this. And this takes about the multiple choice questions. Uh, algorithms and programming. So basically, this is kind of like what you would say as like programming, programming, you know, developing and implementing algorithms, uh, which is 20 to 28 percent of the multiple choice questions. Then there's abstraction programs, programs that incorporate abstractions, uh, just kind of like a shortcut in programming. So instead of retyping, code uh, again, again you can have like a small shortcut that says oh this uh, uh let's name this function x 
um, function X has a bunch of commands. Instead of typing those commands, you can just label those commands as X, and whatever you need them, you can just put, you know, function X. Which and this is uh, 6 to 12 but more choice questions. And then there's other codes, which is evaluate and test algorithms and process uh, and kind of tracking your of a program like can be uh, used for steps. It takes up 12 to 19% of multiple choice questions. And then it's giving. So this is kind of like this is kind of like the part of computer science principles, which is not programming. This is kind of more. Um, so basically, computer science is along with the skills that you develop over the course of the entire uh, the entire class. They're like I won't say subject like there won't be specific chapters, but uh, it's divided up into main ideas, and there are five main ideas, and obviously. Um, you get tested on those um, in the multiple choice section of the exam. And so the first idea is creative development, uh, which is 10 to 13% of multiple choice questions. Then uh, data, which is kind of incorpor uh, incorporates like data analysis and uh, you know how do, how do uh, computing systems use data, which is 17 to 22%. Then algorithms and programming, which is pretty much you know how how do we make algorithms how how what is what what are the components of programming at least like very basically like you won't go into detail uh, which is 30 to 35 percent of multiple choice questions then computing systems and networks so how do we how do we basically use uh how is computer science applicable to real life you know like uh for example, like how do like Google search engines work, or how do people make sense of all the data that we collect, and stuff like that. And uh, again, also big idea five, which is impactive computing, uh, also uh, ties into this idea. And for uh, idea number four, it's eleven to fifteen percent of multiple choice questions, while big idea five is twenty-one to twenty-six percent of multiple choice questions. So the exam, I would like to pref uh, preface this with the, uh, you know, please take my words with a grain of salt. I took the exam the year of 2020, meaning that all the multiple choice sections of exams were canceled and only there were free response or like any portfolio submissions. Um, from last year onwards, so 2020 to 2021, they removed the explore task, which is basically you have to research a computing innovation and then uh, basically explain it through like a presentation and submit that along with your create task, which is to create an alg uh, program, uh, create like a program, which I'll get uh, uh, more into later. And so I didn't exactly take the multiple choice question uh, portion of the exam, but I have to, uh, I did take uh, unit tests that were pretty similar and supposed to be preparation for the AP exam. So I would just like to say that if I say something about the multiple choice exam in terms of like content and difficulty, it's uh, based on what I uh, experienced from the class. 
Okay, so the multiple choice section is 70 questions and it's 70% of the AP uh, exam score. Uh, you have 120 minutes to finish it, so two hours. You will have a reference sheet um, with like all the necessary like program bits, I should say. I, I really don't know how to put uh, a better word for this, but uh, you'll have like the necessary information that you uh, need for the exam. And then you have a single select uh, with 57 questions, so basically, you know, multiple choice. And then uh, a reading passage, a single select with a reading passage about a competing innovation. And then a multi-select with eight uh, questions. And the second part is the create performance task. And this is basically like your portfolio submission. And it's 30% of your AP exam score and you have to spend at least 12 hours of, uh, of class time which may seem like a lot but if you work on it like almost like every day in class which my class did as well uh, our teacher set uh, our teacher made us work on our create task uh, the day after we came back from winter break um, so the um, beginning from the uh, first day of the second semester and we finished around almost the third week of January without having to work outside of school. So only using class time. So it's doable um, based on how your teacher schedules it. And over to the left, those are the uh, computer science exam score distributions over the past uh, three years. Uh, there are percentages. Um, this year, the uh, percentage of people who got fives and uh yeah even fours overall the percentages were higher uh which may be a good thing depending on how you look at it uh but that's that So here are some sample multiple choice questions that you would see. Um, so one is kind of related to like the impact of computing, like how do we use computer science uh, in the real world? And the second question is kind of using logic and analysis to and like uh, to help figure out like which one would you like? Because you won't actually need to inherently program something like actually figure out the code for something, but I guess uh, be able to reach a logical conclusion that these are the like XYZ steps that you need to take to achieve whatever they're asking you to do. Uh, so the f uh, we'll go over one of them, we'll go over the both of them. And so for the first one is, uh, a user purchased a new smart home device with embedded software and connected the device to a home network. The user then registered the device with the manufacturer, setting up an account with a personal email and password. Which of the following explains how a phishing attack could occur against the user of the smart home device? A, a vulnerability in the device's software is exploited to gain unauthorized access to other devices on the user's home network. B, a vulnerability in the device's software is, is exploited to install software that reveals the user's password to an unauthorized individual. C, the user is sent an email appearing to be from the manufacturer asking the user to confirm the account password by clicking on a link in the email and entering the password on the resulting page. And D, the user's account is sent an overwhelming number of 
messages in an attempt to disrupt service on the user's home network. So I guess we'll give it a give people a minute to type it out in the chat. Okay, uh, we can go over the answer. The answer is C. Uh, phishing attacks usually occur through emails and uh, basically, you know, those fishy links that get sent. Yeah, don't click on those because those most likely could be like a phishing attack. Um, uh, and second one is in a certain country, a person must be six years and must be eighteen years old to vote. The variable age represents the age of the person as an integer. Which of the following expressions evaluates it true if the person is old enough to drive but not old enough to vote and ev evaluates to false otherwise? Okay, guys, so we're moving on to APCSA. Now I'll give you guys an overview of the class. We and I will talk about the exam and then we'll just mention some helpful tips. So, next slide. So first, for the course description, you may notice that this is a class that has like slightly more units. It's got 10 units total. And so the first thing to note is that APCSA teaches you Java. So you will be coding in Java. You'll be doing all your programming in Java. And so the first unit is primitive types. And this is an introduction to Java, essentially. So you will learn all kinds of key terms, and you'll learn about the primitive types in coding, which are things like integer, integers, strings, etc. And so this is basically the basics. It's the foundational unit, and as you can see, it only comprises a very small percent of the actual test. It's 2.5% to 5%, but make sure you understand this unit because it's your introduction. Especially if you've never coded before, then you will need to pay attention to this unit because it is what will get you started. The second unit is using objects. And here you will learn about more concepts in Java. You'll learn about manipulating the variables. And again, it comprises a small portion of the MCQ, but it builds off of primitive types and is something you need to remember because you won't be applying these skills in the other units. So basically, every unit builds off of the next and you will use these skills over and over. And Rena, if I miss something or you have anything else to add, then please go ahead. So unit three is Boolean statement expressions and if statements. And so this is the true or false statements. It's the conditionals. So you evaluate, so like the computer will evaluate expressions and figure out which one's true and which one's false. And so you will be learning about programming logic in this unit. You will also be covering if statements, and these are so important, so make sure to keep those in mind and figure out how to use them. But they're quite fun, and I'd say if statements are easier to learn, and it's easier to get, I mean, it's less easy to get coding errors than it would be for other loops, like while loops and whatnot. And this comprises a larger portion of the MCQ. It's 15% to 17.5% of the exam. Unit four is iteration, and this one is 17.5% to 22.5% of the MCQ. So this is loops, and it will like, it's the while loop, et cetera, and it will serve, it's like where the code circles through 
a set of instructions over and over. And so on this, when you're coding for this part, if you get stuck or you get errors, don't be frustrated, just work on debugging. And since it's easier to get errors on this portion. Unit five is writing classes. And so classes are a handy dandy thing in Java where you create a segment of code that's supposed to do something and a class object in Java, I believe. But this portion is pretty fun and then it's a pretty easy unit, I'd say. Just make sure to pay attention because again, it will come back to it. Well, I'm going to yeah. step in and just say unit five writing classes for me was my hardest unit. So I guess it really depends on you know, who you are, but it is very important. So even if it comprises a small portion of the MCQ, I wouldn't like, it's it's prevalent throughout the rest of your course. So like Ada said, it does build on each other. Oh, okay. Uh, sorry, Rena. I just thought this unit was pretty fun, like the way my class taught it. Because the teachers, like they gave us cookies for answering the questions. And so everyone loved this unit. Okay, so you, but yeah, again, Rena's right. It will be different for each of you. Just make sure you're paying attention, taking good notes, and practicing. So unit six is arrays, and this is 10% to 15% MCQ. So for me, I'd say arrays were slightly more challenging just because it's hard to keep track of the concepts. And then it's where, it's like arrays are another type, you could say, but it's a more complex type. Like it's no longer the primitive types, which are integers and strings. And so this comprises a larger portion of the test. Make sure to pay attention and make sure you have arrays down because you will build on this knowledge with 2D arrays later. So they won't come back to haunt you if you don't understand them. The next thing is array lists. And array lists are different from arrays. They actually behave differently. So there's a specific unit set aside for these. And it's a pretty interesting unit. I had fun with array lists. And it can be kind of frustrating to figure out how to get the code work, but that's like a to get to get the code to work. But that's a general principle for all of the units. It will be frustrating to debug. The next unit is two D arrays. This builds off of arrays, and it's like two dimensional arrays. It comprises seven point five percent to ten percent of the MCQ. And I guess like if anyone wants to elaborate on this, go ahead. But I found 2D arrays quite challenging since it was basically like arrays, but leveled up. Yeah, I agree with Ada. 2D arrays could be challenging. You know, something I had to heavily review before the exam, but also um, 2D arrays builds, builds on array and also iteration. So you see how all the units come back to each other. So if you mess up or like you don't pay attention somewhere, it will come back to haunt you. And then we have inheritance. So inheritance builds off of writing class, the writing classes unit. And it's basically passing like some, it's passing like the behavior of one class down to another so that you don't have to write like a class, classes that do similar things over and over again, where you can just repurpose some of the code. So that's what inheritance is. It's just like, it's just, um, re it's like transferring behavior and code. And the final unit is recursion, and arguably this might be one of the most confusing units. A lot of people struggle with it, at least a lot of people did in my class and at my school. And so it's basically where you create, well I guess it's kind of hard to explain, and, but you will learn about it in class. And it's basically where code like repeats itself, like the, jaw, like the code calls on itself and then it loops over and over to an end. So it's kind of like a loop, but it's also different. It's repetition, and that's what recursion is.
All right, so moving on, there are the programming skills. And these are the five big ideas that you will be tested on and you will be required to know. And so they're not so much ideas or like lessons as skills that you will be practicing throughout the course. You will learn these skills and you will have to apply these skills on the AP exam. So going into that, the first big idea, the first programming skill you will need to know is program design and algorithm development. And this is basically where you determine how to achieve a result. So you know what your what the outcome of your code has to be, and then you figure out a you figure out a method to get there. Basically, so you figure out the p what you need to code in order to achieve the result. And that's program design, algorithm development. It's essentially it's pretty straightforward. It's essentially just designing your code. Big idea number two is coding logic. And this is the ability to follow the flow of code to an output when you're given the input. So this is 40 to 45% of the MCQ. It's a pretty huge portion of the MCQ because a lot of MCQ questions will ask you to look at some code that they'll give you and then you have to figure out the output, which means that you have to be able to follow what it does in your head. And that's coding logic. You need a solid understanding of that. The next programming skill you will need to know is code implementation. And this is just the writing code portion, writing and running effective programs. And so the FRQs will, te will test you on this, since FRQs are writing code by hand. The next one is code testing, and this is debugging. You can see a conversation going on in the chat. Debugging is probably the most frustrating thing about computer science and coding in general because it's so frustrating to get caught in ruts and like get all these errors and then you have to meticulously go through your code step by step to fix it and make sure it works and catch all your errors. It's very frustrating but it is extremely important to computer science, it's extremely important to programming, it is something you will always have to do. And this is 12 to 18 percent of the MCQ. You may be asked to like pick out errors in the code. The final programming skill is documentation. And this is where you they essentially describe the behavior of code by looking at it. It's 12 to 18% of the MCQ. So make sure to practice these skills and you will learn them in class through your various lessons and labs and you will be applying them over and over. So it should come pretty intuitively as you learn. So now we're just going to share our class experience. I had the class in person, so it was very hands-on for me. We did so many labs. Like every other day, we had a lab. We'd go to the computer or a lab, and then we'd open the giant Windows computers and do a project. And you will also be required to write code by hand. And so that's just using pencil and paper. And what's not fun about this is that it's harder to catch errors. Because while if you're on a computer, you can just click run and then figure out <laughs> that there's an error and that your code is broken. When you're writing code by hand, there's no option to click run. You'll just have to figure out any issues by yourself. If you don't catch any issues, then your code is wrong in some way and you may get points subtracted. And so that was why it's very easy to get partial credit on tests in class. Since when we were taking tests, we'd always have to write code using pencil and paper. And so again, like we talked about before, programming can definitely be frustrating because it's easy to make errors. You need to make sure your syntax is correct since the computer is, well, you need to have the syntax correct for the computer to be able to understand your code because computers are, I guess they're smart, but they're also kind of stupid. If there's a grammar error, they will not understand what you are trying to tell it. 
So it's pretty easy to make mistakes. It's pretty easy to break your code in some way. And so you have to do a lot of debugging. And then that way it can get frustrating, especially if you can't figure out to get it to work after several tries. And so personally, I struggled with code concision too, like making my code concise. I'd be writing long methods, long um, stretches of programming when I could make my code much prettier and cleaner and more precise. But you will get a lot of practice in because it is lab-based and it is an application-based class since you will be coding everything. You will be applying everything you are learning. So you should read the textbook and that will get you get that will help you get to know the skills, but you also need to practice. And so the best way to do that is just coding, coding on your own time, doing the assignments and the projects. And it's very hard to catch up if you've fallen behind, because if you don't understand one unit, then the units build off of each other. So you'll just be kind of at a loss and you won't be able to keep up. So make sure to fall behind. And I guess I kind of like to relate coding to learning a foreign language, since it's basically like you're trying learning the language of the computer. So you have to pay attention and take good notes. And like any language class, you have to practice or else you will lose the skills and you won't be able to understand each unit. Ada, do you want me to talk about my class experience? Yes, yes, please add on. <laughs> okay, um, I was gonna add on to Ada. So when she talked about struggling with concision, the AP exam is not looking for concise. So I know my teacher didn't look for it. So if you've ever seen my code, it's not concise at all, but the AP exam um, doesn't really look for that. So I'll talk more about that in the free response section, um, but also write code by hand a lot. Cause I know during the class, I took it online. So it was a lot of typing. Um, so it was hard for me to transition to writing it. So I would say practice writing early. Um, and then again, when I took it online, just it was, it was fairly simple in the way of computer science is a man-made science. So you're looking at it in a way of like, if you, when you look at it, you should be able to understand it like with the if else statements. And you'll see this as you go through the class. But as Ada said, just practice a lot because I think that's the only way you're gonna get better at programming. All right, so now we're going to talk about the exam. And Rena's going to talk about MCQs while I'm talking about the FRQs, since I have more experience with the FRQs. And you guys know that I did not get to take the MCQs in the 2020 exam, since that was a wacky year. So, yeah, so I took the um, uh, paper exam this year. So I did the MCQ portion. It is 40 questions, and it is 50% of your AP exam score. Um, it is 90 minutes. You will get access to the quick reference sheet. So I suggest having that with you at all times when you're practicing. That way, you know which lines of code to memorize and you know which lines you shouldn't memorize. Um, and yeah, that's basically it. It is fairly straightforward and you'll see a bunch of example questions later in the Kahoot. Okay, so moving on to the FRQ portion. This is 50% of the exam score as well. And there are four FRQ questions. It will take you 90 minutes to do them. And so you will typically, every year, this is the case. You have one question on methods and control structures. You have one question on classes. So again, pay attention to the writing classes unit. You have one question on arrays or array lists. So pay attention during both units, since there's, you may be tested on one of them. And there is one question on two-dimensional arrays. 
So you guys can take a look at the distribution on the side. It's actually pretty good, the distribution. See, the comfortable margin people get a five every year, like around 24 to 25 to 27%. That's a pretty good number compared to a lot of classes. And AP CSA is one of those rare classes where you see kind of an even distribution across the different exam scores. There's generally like... No. Yeah, they don't change much year to year. Yeah. Also, um, about, I think, 300, about 300 kids this year got a perfect score on the CSA exam. So that really goes to show you how, you know, what the exam's like. All right, so I'm going to share some multiple choice uh, tips that my teacher and I just personally figured out through the exam. Um, so my first tip is to always, so I think I'm going to start off with the key tip of don't try to do it in all in your head. I know you might look at a line of um, a line of code and be like, oh, this is so easy. I can keep track of all this in my head. Um, but the exam will have multiple choice questions um, with answers of common mistakes that could trick you. And my teacher said that, you know, the college board wants to know um, whether you're willing to get that five or the good grade. So always write on the side, keep track of your variables saying, okay, I equals this. So you're never, you know, stuck. So that's my first tip. Keep track of variable values. Um, on, there's going to be fill in the blank questions where it's asking you what is the missing line of code. Um, in this scenario, I would say test your own values to see if the code works. You have plenty of time. So um, just test some example values and see if it works. And that's usually the way to eliminate, especially if you're stu stuck. Um, also, write all over the loops on the paper exam so you don't lose track of where you are. I personally always crossed off when there's um, uh, things like something.length. I just wrote the length right on top of it. So I always knew the number. This will help you. This will save you time as you don't have to think about the you know, length and how many variables you have and stuff like that. And you'll see later, um, you already saw it in the CSP presentation, but you'll see again later in the Kahoot, where on the questions with the one, two, three, um, test one each individually before you look at the answers and cross out the ones that won't be the answer. This way, when you go to the answers, it'll be easy to pick out which one is the correct one. And also take your time and don't rush. Um, I personally got extended time, so I can't really speak on how much 90 minutes is enough, but you know, I have I have the extended time for other reasons. So, but I think it is enough time to do it. My friends did it all and they were all fine. So just don't rush because the more you start rushing and panicking, the more you're gonna make errors. So here's an example of the multiple choice. So if you guys wanna answer it in the chat, That'll be cool. So it says, which of the following code segments is equivalent to the code below? Okay, so a lot of people are typing that they don't know, um, but the answer is actually D. Um, sorry, I'm trying to multitask right now, so I don't really, I can't really explain why the answer is D. But yeah, these are. This is another question where you're gonna have to start plugging in your own variable values to see it, and that's really the fastest way to tell whether you. Oh, that's the fastest way to eliminate answers. And Ada will share the free response portion. Yep, so we have a free response question sample right here. And it says, complete the method find position below. And so you have like a comment. That's how you write a comment. You just put a dash and then the asterisk to make the comment. And so CB has provided for us a comment here that says, make sure your code returns the position of the number in integer array. An integer array is just the name of no wait 
integer array, yeah, just return position the number. And then returns null if no such elements exist in integer array. So this is asking you about arrays, this question, kind of. And so the preconditions that integer array must contain at least one row, which means your code must contain at least one row. And so here they provide for you the beginning of the code, which is just the method heading. And it's public static position, so you guys don't need to freak out about knowing what public and static and position mean. Position is just the class, public static is just a general method starter. And then find position is just the name of the method. And so there's a pair of brackets, and inside it says int number, int space space, which is a two-dimensional array, integer array. And so this is a 2D arrays question. And it's also kind of a writing a method question. So as you guys can see, the numbers, I mean, sorry, the integer number and integer 2D array thing, these are just the inputs that are required for the method. And so this is the only segment provided for you. It is up to you to write the rest of the code. So again, this is an example of coding by hand. You have to complete the method and try to make sure to keep your syntax accurate, but I don't believe they won't penalize you that much if your syntax is off. Slightly. So like if you miss having a semicolon to close off the line, then you shouldn't get too much of a penalty. They just like they if you so syntax is not that big of a deal when you're writing the code by hand, because CB knows it's easy to make that kind of mistake. But if your code works, then for the most part, you will get credit. Even the syntax is wrong. So now here are some FRQ tips. There are a couple question types that you will notice in the FRQs. So one example is to complete the complete the code. This the complete the code type FRQ is essentially where you add a part to an existing code so an outcome can be maintained. So the FRQ example we just gave is an example of a complete the code FRQ question. And then the next would be to implement, where they essentially ask you to write a described program. And so just keep track of syntax. You shouldn't get a penalty if you do it, but it actually helps keep your code organized. And make sure to spread out your writing. Think through the process step by step. So it can be easy to panic and rush because of the time limit, but you have four questions and you have 90 minutes, which means you have a comfortable amount of time for each. You've got like over 20 minutes for each. So make sure to just take deep breaths and then go step by step because it's really easy to make an error in code, remember, especially if you're writing about recursion. So just spread out your writing, think of the process, and write line by line. And then if you have time, debug, check your details, and run your code in your head. And then avoid recursion errors or loop issues, since those are the most common mistakes that are made on the AP test. And so note that the FRQ really tests programming skill 3, which is writing and implementing code. So like any other AP test, College Board is looking for fluency on the topics, so make sure you have fluency in the programming skills. And don't make silly mistakes. Debug your code. So I'm going to add on to this. This is some advice my teacher told me. Um, but AP has released a subset of Java. So some, I know they understand that there's going to be kids taking this exam that know a lot more Java than others. And that is okay, because I took the um, exam with little to no programming experience. And there's going to be kids who know so much Java when they take this exam. However, there is an AP subset. So if you know more Java past the AP subset, that's great. But I suggest not using it on the free response because you don't know who's going to grade your um, uh, test. So if you get a high school teacher, um, they might not know all the complex 
you know, Java stuff, they might only know what the AP subset gives them. So always stick to what the subset gives you. So you don't try to do, don't try to do anything fancy and try to show off. They're not really looking for that. They're just looking for you to do what is asked. So don't worry about being so concise. They have to read through your entire program. And if you forget a semicolon here or there, they're not really going to mark points off. But um, so spelling is not the biggest error as long as they kind of know what you're trying to say, but I would just still be careful because you don't know who's going to be grading your exam. Okay, so it's Kahoot time, but we can go back to CSP and wrap up that presentation first. We were on the uh, exam description, or no, we were done with the MCQ samples, yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, again, sorry for the entire internet fiasco thing. So, the creative performance task is a collaborative and a creative process that brings ideas to life through the development of software. Uh, you, you'll design and implement a program that might solve a problem, enable innovation, and explore like your personal interests or just something that's creative in general. Um, our teacher let us pick whether we wanted to do like, like you know, you want to do like a little quiz game, uh, interactive game where someone can actually play it. Uh, I personally chose like an interactive game. And so the components of this task are the first is the final program code, which is created either independently or collaboratively. So you can choose whatever language you want. Um, College Board even gives out a list of acceptable languages, but it's, uh, it's not the entire list. And it's better to check with your teacher regarding which languages are acceptable. Uh, we did primarily scratch and processing in class. So our teacher let us pick between the two and I chose scratch because I needed that one a bit better. And it was easier given that it was like a block based programming language. Um, and then you can you build majority, you can build it either independently or again, collaboratively. Meaning that you still each person still has their individual code, but you can use the suggestions and help of your peers and your classmates to help you navigate like where like should I do this in my program or um, would it be better to do this over this uh, or do I need to change make changes stuff like that. The second part is a video that displays the like your program running and demonstrates like what a, its purpose, what it's actually trying to do. This is done independently, uh, so you basically have to just film a video of your program running successfully and you, inter I guess, the user being able to interact with it easily. And then the last component is written responses to all the prompts in the performance task. So basically, College Board gives you a bunch of prompts that you need to answer regarding your uh, process of making your task. So basically, what steps did you do to plan? Like, what was your inspiration for like the idea? Uh, what were your initial steps? Like, how did you plan it out? Uh, where did you see any setbacks? Like, did you have to debug? 
uh, error checks. Uh, do you do you believe you can improve your program, or uh, where do you think you uh, involve like so and so features? Like, because there are some features that you need to include in your program. Uh, one being like conditionals and looping statements and abstractions. Abstractions are very very important you have to include at least one or two. I'm not sure. Uh, but you definitely have to include an abstraction. And so basically it asks you, like, do you, did you include this? Like, basically your overall process and kind of uh, your entire, like, creation process summarized into words, and you have to do this independently. So no help from your, uh, your friends, your classmates, nothing like that. Uh, so this is uh, the College Board list for acceptable languages for the CREATE task. Uh, this is a non-comprehensive list. Uh, so you can use a program. You might be able to use a program. Let me correct that. You might be able to because uh, some are, I, I believe, are not uh, acceptable. Like, for example, HTML is not acceptable. Uh, but this is pretty much a good list of what you can use um, and it gives like a small description of you know like its functionality um, so you can also ex uh, access this on the course and exam description and I would also recommend consulting with your teacher because uh, uh, he or she might know best what works for students and even you personally So my personal experience, basically, my class was a pretty uh, laid back class. We didn't have many ho uh, much homework. Uh, even if we did, it was mostly like read this passage about like the application of computer science or like uh, do try to do this, build this in processing or do this in scratch. But it was not very, very heavy and definitely shouldn't take you more than like half an hour. Uh, it's coming from a master procrastinator. so. Definitely, in terms of homework, the class is very easy. Um, and it's an interesting class to take if you're interested in learning about computers just beyond programming, because lots of people think that computer science is just like programming, uh, coding, you know, writing all lines and lines of code, uh, which uh, you, you build on that more in AP uh, CSA. But AP CSB kind of sets like the foundations for that. Um, and it gives you more of a lot of like, what are the real world applications of computing? What is exactly involved in computer science? Like data analysis, uh, how exactly do uh, machines like work? Um, like you learn about cybersecurity for a good amount. Like uh, how, how, do hack, how does hacking work? How does phishing work? If you guys remember the previous multiple choice question that we learned for, um, how does data analysis work? You know, how do, how do you know internet browsers and stuff collect your data? You know how do like cookies cache? You know all that. Uh, how does that stuff work? Uh, how does the internet work? You know all that. You know because we see it everywhere. Basically, how the internet works and how does the computer hardware work? You know how do you ac actually see like images on your computer screen? How does audio and video work? Um, and then software again, like you know how how does you know uh, so and so on uh, the computer one like this and uh, basically i'm pretty sure you can get the idea of what i'm talking about here 
And this kind of worked for me because I'm not a big fan of programming. I know shocking coming from someone who took a computer science class. Um, but, you know, computer science is applicable to real life. So, uh, but it's, the class is not very, very programming heavy. So it really kind of focuses more on the con the conceptual stuff rather than actually doing the coding, which is uh, really great for helping you develop like the basics and the foundations that you need for like future if you actually want to go down the path of being computer sciences and actually programming. Um, and again, computer science is very, very applicable to the real life. So you will have a lots of real world applications and you will be tested over the real world applications. So uh, everyone who, you know, if you're looking for a class that's actually useful in real life, uh, computer science principles is one. Um, this is very hands-on, obviously, uh, given the nature of the syllabus. Uh, we would work on Scratch and processing almost every other day. Uh, we did Scratch for majority of the school year. Uh, and then uh, processing for like the last two months until COVID came and uh, shut uh, school down. And we have like most of our test grades and major grades were in, uh, in Scratch and in processing project. So for me personally, I felt like it was easier to do that. And we, I had a ton of peer support in the class, which made it fun. There were a lot of people who were enthusiastic about computer science, and we were willing to help each other out, which is really, really great because, you know, sometimes programming can be that sort of uh, very uh, annoying thing when if you have, like, an error in, like, code or something and you can't figure it out. So definitely having uh, peers or, like, at least like-minded individuals in the class definitely helped. I got a five on the AP exam, and I... As I mentioned before, I took the exam the May of 2020. We only did the create and explore tasks. Uh, and the explore doesn't exist anymore. Uh, doesn't exist anymore. So you guys don't need to worry about that. And I didn't take the uh, multiple choice. But based on what the multiple choice questions that we did throughout the year as unit tests, I would say that I kind of struggled with the multiple choice tests in class. Uh, honest concession here. I didn't spend that much time studying my notes and stuff. And I kind of sometimes uh, slacked off and, and got distracted in class. So maybe that was also a contributor. But I generally found the multiple choice to questions a little bit hard. But nonetheless, I still got good grades. Like I, my grades were still in the A's. Um, so I just think that as long as you're paying attention to the course material and stuff and have a good sense of like how things work, you should be good. And yeah. Okay, so multiple choice uh, question tips. I don't have a lot again, because I didn't actually take it on the AP exam, but I can give some tips based on uh, the unit tests that we had in my, uh, my class. Some questions have like, okay, the first tip is draw a small diagram to help figure out like what portion of the segment of a code is executing. And what I mean by that is sometimes the test will give you um, like a code or like a segment of the code as your options or 
a part of the que uh, question or depending on how the, the question is formatted. And then basically, instead of like figuring and it's like, oh, like which of the following programs would make this little like triangle move this way, that or like turn this way, that. And I would first draw an, like in the margins, I would uh, write exactly like the kind of like a rough, uh, rough outline of the code that would actually cause it to result in the actions that the little, uh, you know, whatever the item is to move. And then next to each answer choice, I will actually sh draw like a small little diagram showing me like what exact like, action the item would do if this if this specific code was implemented. And then I check to see which one's right um, rather than figuring it all in your head, which can be like you can easily mess up in your head because you're trying to visualize it. It's easier to draw it, which um, works for me. Um, so that's just a tip for like those specific questions, like where you actually have to like apply your uh, knowledge of like, you know, how does like, uh, like algorithms and code work. And then read your notes before the exam, because there's a lot of information about the topics that were covered in class in the multiple choice questions because lots of it is like the impact of computing or the real life applications of computing. Um, so that's kind of, you have to like read the notes and understand the conceptual uh, knowledge behind it so you can answer those questions uh, correctly. Like for example, the first multiple choice for uh, that we went over, that was about phishing attacks. So if you learned about phishing attacks in class, you have to remember that, oh, that phishing attacks come like this or like certain, you know, certain like cybersecurity threats come like that and uh, so on. And finally, use your own logic and think analytically because ultimately at the end of the day, computer science is very math and science, uh, like computers, like logically thinking based. So basically the way a computer thinks is very logically and, and analytically. Uh, very like concrete, like uh, if X happens and Y happens and Y happens and Z, if Y doesn't happen, then X will happen, you know, something like that. So as long as you use your own logic and think analytically, you, you should be able to figure out most of the like application questions. And for the create task tips, uh, this I actually did take in, uh, during the exam. So I approach this, the task in this order. Basically, it's like purpose, method, execution, and then reflection. So purpose is like, what is your program going to do? Like, is it going to be a game? Is it going to be like a little uh, like a little radio type thing? Or is it going to be like a information thing? Like you click on it, you get like information, you know? Because uh, I personally did like a game type thing. So that was purpose. Then method. How is your program going to do its purpose? Like, like one step would be one part of the, the question would be what language are you going to program in or you know what are what exactly are the actions it's going to take you know like for example or if you have a game or you're like you know uh let's say you have you have like characters in game are the characters going to move uh, up and down or the characters going to move left and right and so on and then execution did the program uh serve its purpose uh, successfully uh, if not, what can you do to make sure that it does? Uh, so, like, what kind of like your error, like your uh, your error checking or debugging process? You know, um, did X, Y, and Z 
parts of the program work? Did it really uh, achieve its uh, full potential of its functionality? Is there any changes I can make? And then reflection, this kind of goes into the written responses that you need to submit for your, uh, your task. So how did you make your program successful? What were the steps that you took to make your program successful? Is there th anything you can add? Uh, does, is there any, anything you wish you did different? Um, uh, what is one thing uh, that you feel is a strength of your program? What, what is one thing that you feel is a weakness of your program? And then use peer support and feedback, um, at least for like creating the program thing for the video and the responses, you're completely on your own, but definitely use all the peer support and your classmates and your friends support for the program because it really, really helps because sometimes things that you overlook, the others can catch more easily. So um, I definitely had a lot of friends and peers point, um, point me out on my mistakes in my program and help me make uh, my thing better. And I did the same for them. You know, if they had an issue, I was able to uh, identify it easier than they were. Um, so definitely because, again, error checking, debugging, all that it can be very tedious and annoying sometimes. And having another person like a, I mean, another person look at it is definitely helpful. Um, and then document the steps taken. So, you know, like what exactly, because this will make your like writing process about the responses way easier, you know, because you'll know, you have a better idea of what exactly you did to create your uh, responses. So I would definitely either like even physically or even mentally just take note of like uh, step number one, step number two, step number three sort of thing. And lastly, have fun. Uh, one of the main goals of the create task is to uh, make it something like unique and creative, uh, which is completely, again, completely uh, dependent on you. So instead of seeing it as like a task that you have to, you know, make it for your exam, submit it to college board, uh, look at it like, you know, something as a project where you actually want to go ahead and create something, you know, whether it be like a game or like a, uh, like a little, uh, you know, whatever it is you may be doing, uh, take it from like, like you're actively interested and actually want to do it uh, perspective, which I did and that helped me a lot. Uh, and I was really uh, uh, happy with my end results. So definitely I would try uh, taking that approach. Yeah. Oh, I didn't notice that we went over time. I'm sorry. How do did, I go back? Uh, did we go over the resources slide? No. We, okay, there we go. We were on the Kahoot. I'm sorry. Uh, do we have time? Oh, we're obviously. We can go over the resources and then um, kind of just close it out. And if anybody, any, if anyone wants to stick around, we can do the Kahoot at the very end. Yeah. Got it. Sounds good. Okay, uh, so for me personally, I really like the AP classroom because my teacher would include like practices and stuff because we started doing practices uh, since January before the uh, COVID came and canceled it. So definitely, uh, so I still did those practices for the multiple choice questions. 
So I would definitely uh, go back uh, and definitely I would recommend uh, AP Classroom to people. And Khan Academy is also a great resource. Um, and uh, Fiveable also has great resources. So that's on uh, what my recommendations are for computer science uh, principles. Obviously, the all the other ones are also great uh, tools for, uh, I think, like both classes, but I think I'll let Ada speak for the uh, ESA. Yeah, totally. So you might see AP Review. These are the videos that are on AP Classroom and as well as the ones on YouTube because College Board made a series of hour-long videos about APCSA, I believe. They probably have ones for APCSP too, and it's all on YouTube. But those are FRQ walkthroughs, and they were really valuable for me when I was trying to prepare. And then the other two are good for CSA. So albert.eo is a website where they have a bunch of AP computer science example problems and little portions for you to write the code. And it's really helpful because you can write your code and run it there. And it's good preparation for like the MCQs. It's good preparation for the FRQs. And then there's IntelliJ. And IntelliJ is something you might use in class. Your teacher might have you use this. Um, they might have you use this desktop coding app. It's just a place. It's like an office where you can code in Java. And so Intel, what's cool about IntelliJ is that it's it's really smart. Like it can it it like corrects your syntax for you. And then it checks your code. And let's say debugging is really easy on IntelliJ. It makes the home process a lot smoother. So if you're practicing writing code and if you're doing your projects and writing program, if you're writing programs, then I'd recommend, highly recommend IntelliJ. And I'd highly recommend using IntelliJ to practice coding. So it's pretty helpful. Yeah. And I would like to mention that someone in the chat was like code.org is really helpful for APCSP. Uh, and yeah, I would say it is a good because uh, you do do a lot of like uh, code.org does have um, practicing for like block uh, based programming. And my teacher uh, showed us a bunch of like videos from code.org like uh, regarding like, you know, computing and the impacts of computing sort of thing. So uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend that as well. Um, so yeah, right also, here. yeah, again, past, um, always looking at like past, uh, uh, doing like practice exams are definitely helpful in like any exam, uh, but also for CSP and also I'm pretty sure it's the same for CSA as well. Um, and I guess you can also, uh, the thing with a CSP is that it's it's it is very uh, conceptual based. So definitely also having Quizlets and stuff for CSP is also helpful. Um, I believe there's also like resources related to that on the Fiveable like APCSP website. So again, go check that out. So these are specific resources I actually use to study. So Runestone is like an online textbook with like different quizzes and different free response questions on like certain units. So it was definitely helpful for CSA when I needed review. Um, the prep book I recommend, and actually my teacher recommended to me, is the Be Prepared Prep Book. So the authors of this uh, prep book actually work on the board with College Board for CSA. So they really know the exam. And the material they gave me, I also use their textbook, I think. 
is much harder than the exam. So when it came, so I remember panicking on the multiple choice because I got so many wrong on my first practice test. I thought I was going to fail the college board exam because of it. But no, this is, this book is much harder than the exam. So if you were to get a prep book, I suggest this one. I linked, I put the link to Amazon on it. It is much harder than the exam. So it'll definitely be a good resource to prepare. Uh, my Quizlets contain some vocabulary words you'll definitely learn in foundation. So check those out if you're a flashcard type person. And I mainly use Coding Bat for the free response questions. They have the past AP free response questions, I think, on there or similar type questions. So if you go to there, it's a great way to practice. But the best free response questions are always the ones that were, that were on past exams. And Leak Code is another site where there's they give you different programming problems and you can do this with any language. So it's good practice for CSP or CSA.